To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? I got a brand new podcast for you. So this week I have on my buddy Clint Casper. So Clint uh, lives and hunts Ohio and multiple eastern states out there for whitetail. He's just a whitetail guru. He just turns up some absolute giants, consistently kills them year after year. And the last handful of years, he's got hooked on western hunting. And uh, so he just does absolutely everything he can do to be the best bow hunter he can be, does all his research from out there on the east and then flies out or drives out west here. He's done a couple hunts with me in antelope and bear hunting things. And and uh, so, yeah, he's just a great guy and a great hunter, super passionate. And, um, yeah, he's great on the podcast. So we just have a, a good back and forth about, you know, being a traveling hunter, like being able to travel to these different places in these different states and taking on the challenge and, and um, just everything he's doing to be prepared for his Western hunts coming up this season. So uh, just a great back and forth, great podcast. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys will enjoy it too. Sponsor for today's show, Yeti Coolers. Uh, Yeti has just changed the way I hunt in the field to have these high quality coolers that'll keep the ice longer. Uh, you can keep an ice for an entire 10 day hunt. That way, if you're hunting with a buddy, you tag out, you can get your, your meat on ice right away and know it, that it's going to keep in there and continue to hunt. Um, I use these coolers. I do a lot of hot season hunts. And so, you know, I'm, when I harvest these animals in the early season, I've got to get them cooled down quick. And I rely upon that Yeti cooler. I've always got ice in it, can get my meat ice down. I always like to mention that their coolers uh, double as a bear-proof container. So anytime you're camping in the National Forest, uh, you have to store your food in a bear-proof container, which is not your vehicle, uh, or you have to hang it up 10 feet up, 4 feet away from any trunk. Or you can just have a Yeti cooler and throw a lock on the corner and you're good to go. Uh, such a huge asset with those Yeti coolers. And then they have so many other products that I love. Uh, they're thermos, so they're, they're, they're ramblers, they're tumblers, so basically they're coffee cup, they're thermos. Um, I love both of those. Uh, and then they have a, a Hopper 30. It's a soft-sided cooler bag. I use these all the time. In fact, I have mine all loaded up, ready to go to Hawaii with me to bring back some Axis or Mouflon meat. Um, they're just nice. You can use them as a carry-on on the airplanes. They keep your meat frozen. So if you're traveling um, you know, on a flight, you can freeze your meat solid, put it in a Yeti soft-sided cooler bag, and it's your carry-on on the plane, uh, a personal item or, uh, you know, however you, you get by that. Uh, but, yeah, it's just a, a huge asset. Yeti has a bunch of great products. Thanks to those guys for the support of the podcast. Uh, I also want to thank Swagger Bipods. Uh, Swagger just makes the best bipods out there. You know, shooting a, a rifle accurately is all about your rest. And these um, Swagger bipods, they're they're quickly adjustable, and they've got tension on them, so you can tension back into your shoulder. You shoot from from any different stance, and then the bipod will swing with you. Um, they're, they're just, they make the absolute best bipods on the market. You can mount one to your rifle. If you're a guy that prefers to shoot off sticks and not have the extra weight on the end of your stock, uh, they make a great set of shooting sticks and, and they're spring activated. So they're, 
they have tension on them as you as you push down. You know that way you can you can change the aim of your rifle a little up, a little down. You don't got to pull the leg up. It's just so much quicker, so much better. It makes you so much more accurate. Uh, so I want to thank Swagger for being a sponsor of the podcast. Over there at Eastman's, um, gosh, we're all just getting really excited for season. Um, can't wait to, to figure out which hunts I'm going to film here. Um, turning in articles like a madman, uh, recording podcasts like a madman, just some great information on elk hunting, deer hunting, um, uh, e-scouting. God, we got some great information coming up for you guys. So um, make sure to um, subscribe. Uh, it, it really helps the podcast sub- to subscribe, and then you um, don't miss any of those uh, good episodes that are coming out. Um, so with that, yeah, let's get right into the podcast here. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, my East Coast buddy, uh, Clint Casper. Um, he's just a, a, a great bow hunter and a great person that's always trying to improve and get better. Um, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm here with Clint on the line. Um, I got Clint on uh, the podcast. I wanted to do a podcast on on the traveling bow hunter and preparing for some of these western hunts. And um, nobody knows it better than than Clint traveling all the way from Ohio out west all the time. How are you, Clint? Hey, my man, doing good, doing good. Finally, quit raining out here in Ohio. Got some hay bales this afternoon, and uh, do this podcast, and hopefully fling a few arrows before dark and head to the gym so it's yeah it's been a good day man been productive been busy just the way we like it yeah nice so um you're getting ready to come out west you're on a mission to kill a mule deer this year right oh man there's uh yeah it'll be uh this will be trip number four to colorado uh yeah been super close so close i could taste it uh definitely got to get it done this year i'm i'm uh i've already put in for work uh, I just put in for a month and they're like, really a month. I'm like, I'm not coming home until I kill a mule deer buck. When I do that, I'll be back. So that's kind of like the big, it's kind of the big joke around work is they're like, well, we might not see Clint the entire month of September. I'm like, well, you, you might see me back on September 3rd. You know, I might kill opening day and then it takes me two days to get back. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. It'd be nice if it worked that way. So you, you're on a mission, like you've done good, you've traveled out west, you've hunted um, elk out here, antelope, bears out west, um, but mule deer has really been your nemesis. You're such a, a whitetail guy there in Ohio, um, so you've been working hard trying to shorten the learning curve and gain as much knowledge as you can and as much experience as you can, and um, it seems like you've really keyed in to the, to the early season deer thus far. Yeah, the the high country, um, on those early season hunts, I mean, the first one I ever went on, I remember, you know, I mean, I was super green, just kind of, you know, got the itch, wanted to, I actually got into western hunting because I just wanted to start my season, like I wanted to extend, I mean, here in Ohio, we're able to hunt whitetails from the end of September clear into the first week of February, and it's all archery, it never goes out, you can hunt during gun season, and, and for the last seven or eight years, I've been an all bow guy, which, you know, you know all about that because you've been an all bow guy for a long time as well. So I wanted to extend my archery season. I, I just I wanted to, to just find a new adventure and find kind of an, another passion besides just, you know, whitetails and turkeys and stuff that I've got around here. And uh, I just really thought, you know, man, 
spot in stock and, and the high country is, you know, you see the pictures and you see it on social media and you read about it and it's just breathtaking and beautiful, but yet it's rugged. And it's just one of those deals that I thought, you know, I bet I could really get into this. I mean, and I knew it was going to be a super big challenge, but the high country with it just being, you know, it just seems like everywhere you go up there, you could stop and take a picture of a lifetime. You know, I just, I, I love being there in that August, early September, you got bucks still in velvet. And like here in Ohio, we can't hunt whitetails in velvet because they're already stripped. And I mean, there's just something about a big giant muley or a big giant whitey in velvet that, I mean, I, I you know, I, I glass all summer here in Ohio and watch these bucks in velvet and take footage of them and pictures. And I mean, I just, I love seeing them in velvet. So now you add another, you know, 10, 12 inches and throw it on a mule deer with big deep forks and, and just the crazy frames they've got. And it's like, you know, it, it's like I'm in heaven when I'm up there looking at these things in velvet. So yeah, I mean, it, I was kind of captivated right off the rip. My very first trip out, um, you know, like I said, I, I had no clue, honestly, what I was really doing was just kind of running and gunning with it and just fell in love with it. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, and, and it's, it's, uh, it's fun and it's adventure and it's just one of those hunts that cap, you know, just captured me from the very get go. And I remember leaving Colorado thinking I'm going to have to do this every year, at least once every year. Uh, just, I don't know. It's like a part of me stayed there. So I've continued to come back and I've just been so close. I've never released an arrow in Colorado yet, but I've been back in full draw a couple times. And I mean, I've just been so close. I can taste it. So yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, man, I've just got to get that huge gorilla off my back. Yeah. Well, it, and it's tough when you're coming out and you're not paying an outfitter, you're not paying a guide. Um, you, you really don't, you, you know, you don't have anybody that's taking you to their secret spots. Like a lot of these hunts that you're doing are solo. So you got to pay your dues and you got to learn in that, that country is unforgiving and tough. And I think that's what also imprints you is just, um, you know, how, how rugged that country is, how it, how it does look like where goats and sheep should live. And it's, it's grueling. Like when you come out of there, your legs are sore, your back's tired. Like you did something, you had to really earn it and work for it. And then the mule deer, like you say, is just so iconic to the West. As far as like a, a deer species, um, Man, I mean, to have a rack that goes 30 inches wide or that goes two feet above his head, you know, it, um, like you say, it takes your breath away. And to be able to hunt them in velvet, uh, 40% heavier in velvet. So they just look like absolute monsters. And the biggest ones in the world live in the most remote country, you know, that's all public ground that you can go hunt. And as much as I'm always telling people to like enjoy what enjoy what's right around you. I live in Montana. It's a huge state. I could hunt mule deer here for the rest of my life. But taking these adventures where like you are like from Ohio where you're loading everything up in your truck or flying there or however you're doing the logistics. Like like it is just like you said it's a it's a true adventure. You're going to some place in the country you're not familiar with. And then disappearing into the most unforgiving country it has to offer, the lower 48 has to offer, man, it's a cool deal. But um, 
it is not easy, and I had to pay my dues too. You know, I could pay my dues locally and then traveling a little bit, but you know, everybody has to pay their dues or you know, uh, uh, you know, find a shortcut. Whether that's you know, whether whether you draw a good tag, which isn't a shortcut, or you know, whether you you pay an outfitter to do a lot of the research for you. But I mean, you're doing everything the right way and coming back this year swinging, ready to fill your tag. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's. It's one of those deals where it honestly becomes like a part of your life. I feel like if you're if you're truly into just adventure bow hunting, and I mean, I know you know that that term gets thrown around a lot, but I mean, it, it really truly is an adventure from start to finish. And I mean, I think that's what truly kind of you know really kind of grabbed me right off the rip was i mean every day every hour of those hunts you know from the time i shut my truck off at a, at a trailhead or whatever and and slam the door and take off um it, it's just adventure and you don't know what's around a, every corner you don't know what's you know you, you just everything about that hunt is just total adventure and you just never know what's going to happen next and it's just really cool because, you know, like here, you know, in Ohio or the Midwest, I mean, you know, I bounce around Illinois and Kentucky and different states and, you know, hunting whitetails. But, you know, those hunts are, it's, you know, you, you, even even like during our rut, you know, like when I'm going to hunt all day, you're going to crawl in a tree or you're going to crawl in a blind or, or, or whatever your, your technique's going to be. You're going to hunt all day and then you're going to come back, you know. Um, rarely are you ever going to gonna camp out or, or whatever. And you've kind of got a routine daily of, you know, you're going to walk from your truck, you're going to go hunt, you're going to come back to your truck, you're going to go home, you got your 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 wife or your kids or your family or, or your dog or whatever. I come out there and I do these hunts and I know when I leave my house, when I leave the comforts of my home here in Ohio and, and I'm traveling, you know, for me to get to your house is 31 hours, to get to Colorado where, you know, it's 20 some hours or, you know, I've drove, drove to New Mexico, drove to Idaho. I mean, it's when you take off and leave, I mean, you're leaving all your comforts and, and you're, you're leaving that safety zone. It's kind of one of them deals where it's like it puts you on edge, but you just can't wait to do it. I mean, and, and, and I think about these hunts and these adventures constantly because you just don't know what's going to happen. And it's like that has really grabbed me. And, and that those high country hunts, I mean, they're like you said, they're, they're just tough. I mean, they're, they're tough, but there's just so much I feel like um, – you know, intrinsic value that has come from those to where it's, you know, it's, it's me that ha that has fallen in love with it. There's, there's no extrinsic, um, pulls towards that hunt. You know, no one's making me do it. I know it's going to be tough. I know I'm going to have to suffer through, through a lot of those hunts. I mean, they're, they're, they're not all fun. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, hiking that's, that's rough or climbing that's rough or long hours behind glass. That's not always fun, but it's just that, you know, that motivation that comes from within from me to where I've just fallen in love with it and I just want to get it done and I want to feel that success, you know, and have that couple seconds of just pure adrenaline after you you watch your arrow fly right through the pump station of one of them big floppy-eared velvet suckers. I mean, I just I just can't wait for that to happen. And that's, that's what drives me. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just that adventure and, and knowing that that's out there free of charge on public, you can go do it every year, you know, and you're going to get out of it what you put into it. And I mean, I've got to hunt with, you know, you and, and, and with, you know, uh, with Dan and I've got to just see and learn so much from you guys. Um, and you guys put so much into it 
and you guys get a lot out of it. I mean, even when you don't fill tags, it's just such an adventure and it's just so much fun. I mean, I honestly feel like when I leave the mountains, whether it's with you guys in Montana or by myself in Colorado or Idaho or wherever, I just feel like I'm a better person or, or, or I'm a, I'm a different person and, and, and I'm better because of it because I survived out there for eight or nine days. And even if I didn't punch a tag, you know, I made all the right moves just to live with those animals for a week or however long it was and, and, and survive up there. And it just, it just keeps you coming back. I mean, it really does. I, I always tell buddies back here at home, it, it'll grab your soul the first time you go out and do it. If you truly love adventure, because that's what it is the entire time. Um, so yeah, I'm just, man, I mean, you know, I don't want to ramble too much. I'm sure you can tell I'm, I'm jacked to get going and, and pumped to go. And, uh, this is going to be the year, Brian, I'm going to be sending, you guys will be in Colorado too, same time. And hopefully, uh, hopefully a picture is going to come through with, uh, me behind one and then hopefully with you guys behind a couple too, man. I'm, I'm excited to see how we all do. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, it is like a, it is a nervous energy when you're leaving, huh? It's kind of, you, oh, yeah. you, you, you don't know what's in store for you And the, the back country does have such a way, you know, it's going to throw challenges at you. So as you travel out, you almost have to be prepared for those challenges. Like, you know, I've talked about lightning storms, and you've probably experienced that a little bit in the high country now, like three trips in to Colorado, oh, yeah. huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It can get I, really last, gnarly last up there. Was, yeah. Last time I was there, I, I, I rode one out getting up in over a pass, and uh, it popped up. And, and oh, yeah, I uh, at that up till that point, I've heard you and Dan talk about really bad storms, lightning storms in Colorado, and I, I hadn't rode a really bad one out yet. Well, let's just say after this one passed, I had to I had to check the old boxers to make sure we were still good because it was a it was about a 25 30 minute deal, and uh, the kabooms and the hail and the lightning and oh yeah, I got to experience it for. I actually thought about you guys as I was huddled down with my pack over top of me and my, and in my rain gear, I'm thinking, so this is what Brian and Dan always talk about. Yep. Good old Colorado showing me it all right now. Oh man. <laughs> it is the real deal. Yeah. And you know, I've rode out a lot of lightning storms and they're not too bad, but in those peaks, it's just a different beast. Like when it oh, starts yeah. going around you and you have 300 strikes within a half mile and you know, hopefully it is a little storm that passes within a half hour, an hour, but I've had to ride them out all night long where it's like eight hours of strobe lights and thunder where you don't get any sleep. Like it can just be gnarly up there. So, you know, mother nature is going to throw weather your way. And, and even if it's not lightning, maybe it's just, it's rainstorms, it's fog, it's snow, it's, you know, maybe it's hot temperatures. That's a killer in those early season hunts too. You know, just because you're wearing camouflage and and uh, working so hard that you know you can get heat exhaustion pretty easy too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know one thing for me that was was crazy was the first time I went. Um, you know, I, I remember leaving my truck at like I don't know, it was probably like eighty five hundred nine thousand something like that, and where I was going to end up going was going to be around like twelve five thirteen. And it started off where, I mean, during the day hiking in, I mean, it was 70 degrees. And all of a sudden, within two hours, I was riding out a hailstorm and then snow and then lightning and then rain and then sun again. And I mean, I, I went through clothes like I saw 70, 50, 40, 30, 
maybe with the wind high 20s and then back to 70 to where I needed to put chapstick on. And I remember thinking in my head, like, my, my dad won't even believe me that, that, that this all just took place within three hours up here in the high country because it's just so abnormal to like what I would experience at 700 foot sea level back in Ohio. But yeah, I mean, just the weather alone on those high country deals, it's just crazy. I mean, every day you're going to see a temperature range from probably what, you know, 30 to 70. I mean, almost daily, it seems like. I mean, I've, I've experienced that a lot to where it's just a constant rotation and change of taking layers off, putting layers on. I mean, and, and you're, you're riding out storms, then it's super hot, then you got a rainbow, then up here's hail and snow. I mean, it's it's crazy how the weather is up there. And I remember on that first hunt, just, just thinking to myself, like, man, people wouldn't even believe me if I was to tell them who've never been out here that I just experienced every you know, facet of weather within a five hour span. It's, it's nuts. But there again, though, that all goes back to that, that, that crazy adventure side of, of, you know, like me or you, where it's like, you know, it's, it's just, it's fun to experience all that. Cause it's so different, you know, especially for me coming from Ohio. I mean, you know, you don't experience a weather change or weather drop in a couple days like that, let alone in a five hour span. So, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty daggone cool to like, be in that moment and get to experience that but yeah the weather's a, a big factor there's no doubt about that yeah well and, and part of it is just being able to ride them out and survive back there throughout you know you can get days of bad weather that can screw you up for sure on a hunt you know it's so like you got to prepare for these challenges when you come out because you're coming all the way from ohio or even me coming from montana driving to colorado for my hunt this year you know like i got 16 hours into that thing i've drawn a tag and so like i've got to prepare myself to ride out storms like i'm gonna be up on ridge lines that are 13,000 and 14,000 foot peaks like i've got to be really smart about it and prepare for it like i know i can't get stuck there on a peak or like the one that that still gets me now is is i'm really safe i camp in a good safe place i make good lightning plans i really read, read the weather coming in and i'm not I try not to be fearful of it. I know it's something I'm going to have to conquer, and I think I have PTSD, like which isn't even fair to compare to like military guys that actually have PTSD. But I've just been in some bad, gnarly storms, and so like I actually get spooked when these lightning storms are rolling in at me when I know I have to ride them out, and I actually feel better after I ride out the first big lightning storm of the year. So I've got one under my belt, salmon fly fishing so far down on the river, which can be spooky too because it's totally flat, no place to hide down there. We had a pretty big one roll in on us. Um, but, you know, I know that that's my major challenge, that I'm going to have to face hunting high country mule deer, but it's worth it. Like the weather's part of it, and part of it, like it's just the time that has to be in spent up there. Like you have to be able to endure. And whether that's the weather or whether that's the miles, it's a lot easier said than done. It's really easy sitting inside my warm, comfortable house right now to tell you how hard I'm going to hunt come season. And and you know it's true. Like I will hunt that hard and so will you because we've been there before and we know what it takes. But but it's a lot you know, easier said than done than when you get there. And it's not just one day effort. It's two days. It's three days. It's a failed stock. It's four days. It's a missed shot. It's five days. It's six days. Like when that reality sets in, it's real up there. And it seems so tough. It almost feels like mission impossible. It feels like you put an arrow in a big mule deer is, is the furthest thing that it, it just seems like it's not even possible. You have any, it just can't come together, but it just takes a, 
you know, perseverance and effort and you just keep putting it forth. And it's amazing. Like all of a sudden an opportunity will present itself. You'll get a stock on another buck. You'll find a buck in a good location. You'll locate one. And then you're playing the wind and trying to make us make a play. And I just like, it comes together for me so much in the end. And part of that is like building the skill set. And that's, you know, like we always talk, like the, the physical fitness to be able to push day in, day out and keep sharp. Also the shooting and the ability to keep calm and the crunch when you do get an opportunity. So I just walk around with so much confidence, just knowing that if I get a sliver of an opportunity, then I'm going to put a good arrow into this buck and walking around, like having that confidence is key too. But, um, I mean, that in essence is why we're drawn to it, I think, is the challenge of it. And when you're immersed in that challenge and focus all your energy on it, it's like it's like all you're thinking about. Um, and it's so difficult that it does feel so good when it comes together. But I think that's it, man. you got to be able to endure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think as a traveling you know, bow hunter, I mean, the mental game is just – it, it's just it's so imperative i mean you 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 have to have it um you know i i i was just just wrote and turned in an article about you know the the mental side of bow hunting and i mean it, it's it's something that everyone you know hears about and they and they they read it and they see it but until you really grasp how important the mental game is to bow hunting and then especially to traveling to other states and, and, and adventure, like, you know, what you and I would call adventure bow hunting. It's, I mean, it, it really honestly, truly all boils down to about 99% of your mental game. Because if you mentally let yourself on day four of a 10 day hunt, start to get down or doubt yourself, doubt your game plan, doubt your skill set, doubt why you're there, it's over. I mean, those, you know, like in Colorado, when you're at 13, 14,000 and, and, and you're, you're, you know, you're grinding day in and day out. I mean, I learned real quick. If you let your mind start to work against you, it's over. You may as well go back to the truck and head for home because, I mean, once you start to let that doubt creep in, now you're not consumed with the hunt. You're, you know, you're, you're not. 125% confident in, you know what, over that next hill, that's, you know, over this next pass, over this next saddle, over, there's going to be a giant bull or a giant buck. And I mean, how many times have, you know, have you and I hunted, whether it's antelope or, or, or bear or whatever? I mean, you know, you and I've been on quite a few hunts. And I mean, the mindset is always, you know, I've heard you say it a hundred times, Clint, we're going to go up over this stag on saddle and we're going to, we're going to be into them. That's where they're going to be. We just got to get there. And it's like, you, you've got to, you've got to have that mindset of around the next corner or up over the next hill or a mile away from here. That's where they're at. And, and you've got to mentally continue to think it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, but that mental part, I mean, I tell people all the time, like, you know, guys will say, Oh, you know what? What's your biggest key whenever you go on these hunts and, and, and you're going to leave for a week, 10 days, two weeks, whatever. You know, last year, me and Dan were out for 15, 16 days, you know, between Idaho and Montana. And, and guys were like, oh, my gosh, you know, how, how do you keep yourself going for that long? And I'm like, man, it's just, you know, you, you mentally just you have to want it and you, you can't let doubt 
or or any type of negativity creep in because the minute that starts to sink in you just lose all focus and on those hunts i mean you've got to be so enthralled in the hunt i mean you've, you you just got to let it almost take you completely in and not look back until it's done and over with and then you can start thinking about real life and and work and this and that and and your cell phone and and everything we i mean i you know i know we, we've all got a million things going on but when you go on these hunts say you got a week for that week you just got to put everything aside. You got to you got to take care of everything at home. And I know you and I both talk about this. You know, we both try to make sure we've got everything at home squared around, everything at work. And when we leave to go to a hunt, like when I take off and I leave my driveway and I'm head, I'm Colorado bound here in about six weeks. There's not going to be anything on my mind other than I'm getting to Colorado. I'm finding a big freaking buck. And I'm going to get him killed. And that's it. I mean, that's just that's just the mindset that you've got to have. It's just so important, especially once you go on these hunts, especially the solo hunts, because I mean, you know, I mean, you're you know, you you're a solo guy. I mean, I, I know you love hunting with buddies, but I mean, you love that solo hunt just like what I've fallen in love with. But you've been doing it a lot longer and been on way more than me. And it's it's fun to hear you talk about it, you know, like when you do podcasts and stuff. Um because it's just, you know, you really don't understand it until you go do a couple of them. But that solo hunt on your own, it just it just captivates you so much. But it's such a mental game. You know, it's I, I, I always hear you and Dan talk about, you know, the the mental game behind it. And I mean, until you go do one, you really don't understand how much that mental mindset comes into play. But on day five, day six, that's when you, you know, it, you you really fall back on, you know, that mental toughness. I mean, you know, I'm sure there's been numerous hunts where you've fallen back on, you know what, you know, there is no quit. There is no give up. I'm going to find this buck or I'm going to find a bull and you just push through it. I mean, there's going to be hard times, no doubt, but you got to have that mental toughness. And it's just, it's, you know, that's part of the adventure that there again, it always brings me back daily to thinking about these hunts because it's just such a grind but man when it all comes together oh there's just i mean there there has to be just absolutely nothing better i mean you know i i can remember last year on on you know the antelope hunt with you and dan there in montana i killed my buck literally on the last stalk of the last hour of the last day and i mean i can't explain in words what that was like to get it done because i had been gone from home for at that point 16 days you know on just a total adventure bow hunt grind was in idaho with dan chasing elk around for 10 or 12 days and then come back with it hooked up with you and then you know went and chased antelope around you know we, we had antelope tags and it's just it it just it meant so much to me to be able to grind it out and stay focused and when a shot finally presented itself to be able to make a good shot and get one killed in the final seconds of that last day, you know, but it goes back to that mental game. I mean, never at any point in time in those 16, 17 days that I think, man, I shouldn't be here or man, you know, I, I it's, it's just not going to happen. It's just, it's, it's just not, it's, it's just not going to happen this time. Nope. You know, every time, every stock, every play, it was, this is it. This is the one. And, and I've learned that from like, you know, hunting with you and Dan, I, I, I see that every, Every stock, it's Clint. This is it, man. This is this this is your this is your deal right here. I'm telling you, this is gonna work. 
I'm telling you, over that next saddle, we're gonna get it done. We're gonna we're gonna get into the elk party. We're gonna get into the antelope party. I mean, I, I've I've heard you say it so many times, but that positive mindset and and that mental toughness that I've seen from both you you and Dan from hunting with you guys, it's just been such a huge key to my success because I see how important it is, and and I've learned that you've got to possess that. I mean, you just have to. Yeah, almost the eternal optimist, right? You're always thinking. You're always thinking it's going to be the best day of hunting or you're you're always thinking you're going to find them. And even when you strike out or you have a couple tough days, like you said, you still keep your head in it. You're still theorizing. You're back on the map yep. and you're back looking at a different canyon, get a different option, a, a different place to go walk, a different place to go look. Like you, you just keep in it. And even sometimes towards the end – like not that I accept that it's not going to come together, but I start I start almost thinking like, got it, you know, you're always looking for the opportunity, you're always looking to get it done, but it's like it may not come together these next two days, but I'm gonna hunt, you know, I'm gonna give it absolutely everything I have because that's when I feel okay about a hunt, you know, is when I come back and I hunted really hard whether I was successful or not, and and we talk a lot about how good the success feels. But it, but it is also enjoying the process of it. It's like I'm happiest when I'm on a hunt, doing a hunt, trying to figure it out, trying to kill a big buck. Like that's the fun for me is the whole process, the preparing for it, the being there, the trying to kill him. Like after I kill him, the hunt's over and yeah, I'm happy, but like uh, enjoying the whole process of it. And, and I think – you know, just like you said, keeping that positive mindset, you always got to believe like you're gonna, you're gonna find them, you're gonna figure them out, you're gonna keep looking like there's always an answer out there somewhere. Just keeping immersed in the hunt, I think is so important, like you were stating. Dude, and talk about endurance, like uh, mental toughness, like what about some of those whitetail hunts where, you know, you have 40, 50 days in the stand to kill a mature whitetail buck. It's same thing. Like it's motivating yourself day in, day out. And, you know, it's it's like I'm I'm always motivated to keep putting forth effort. Like it seems like it's easy to go lax on it or to get discouraged because you hike in a spot and you didn't find what you were looking for. And then you can kind of. You, you know, you almost allow yourself to put it on cruise control, and now maybe you're just going to glass a few spots, and you're not going to hike into the next drainage. It's really easy to let your brain put it into cruise control when you're there, where you just got to keep that keep your brain firing and go, no, I'm going to walk into that canyon. I'm going to go see what's in there. I'm going to go look over the next hill. You know, I, I'm going to keep making the effort. Like, I have these days off work. Like, I've committed to hunting. You know, now I need to give it all my effort and see if I can turn up an opportunity. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and just like you said, you know, you've, you've got to be immersed in it and, and, and immersed in it to where, you know, I, I tell people all the time that, that ask, you know, man, how, you go, you spend all your vacation, you know, um, either hanging out with your kids or living like a hobo on the side of a mountain. We don't, we don't understand how that's fun to you. And I'm like, it, it you know, it, it's hard to explain until you just do it. And, and I've just fallen in love, you know, with that adventure side of it because I'm immersed by it. I mean, it's, you know, it's, I'm just completely a hundred percent, um, committed to what it takes to get it done on one of those hunts, whether it's, elk or, or mule deer or antelope or bear or whatever and you know and and that's how i've always whitetail hunted um 
you know, it's not a cocky mindset for me, but it's a confident one where, and I mean, on, on podcast, I've, I've stated this and in articles I've wrote about it, it's my mindset has always been, it's not a matter of if I'm going to get an opportunity to kill a big buck, it's when. And I know if I if I continue to hunt and put myself in good positions and I continue to hunt hard every single year, I'm going to get my opportunity. Now, I've got to I've got to make the right moves in crunch time to make it happen. I need to put a, a perfect shot. I mean, there's 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 definitely a job there that I've still got to do multiple jobs to, to punch that tag. But it always comes down to I'm going to get an opportunity, and and I feel like on those you know on on these adventure bow hunts, um, you just gotta you just have to do them and and gain that confidence. I mean, every time I come out there, whether I'm solo or, or whether I'm with you know you or Dan or you know different buddies I've went with, it's you're just you're you're building that confidence and you're building that skill set to where after a few years of doing it you you start to think you know what it's i'm going to get my opportunity and when i get that opportunity i'm going to seal the deal and i'm going to shut the door on this tag and i'm going to punch it and you know it's it's funny because i feel like a lot of guys look at these hunts and 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 traveling like like what i do going 28 30 hours going to colorado going to montana wyoming idaho i mean all those states are basically dang near 30 hours plus from me. Um, I think a lot of guys look at it like, oh my God, it's just such a big task. I mean, there's just so much involved. But if you start to break it down and you, you know, usually around the first of the year, January, February, I mean, it seems like, you know, I'm always talking to, you know, like you and Dan and, and we're, we're figuring out hunts and you're starting to, you know, really key in on units and different places. And it's, it's just like a process that, you kind of start at the beginning of the year and you, and, and you just slowly start to kind of tick away at the steps to figuring out where you want to go. And then once you finally figure out, okay, I drew this tag, you start looking at different spots and coming up with your game plans. And I mean, it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal to go from Ohio to Colorado with only say, you know, the average guy might have, a week off. I mean, I'm lucky with my job that I can work all winter overtime and I can bank time and I have seven, eight, nine weeks a year off in, in the fall to where I can go and travel all over and do this stuff. But the, you know, the average guy has, you know, he might only have one week. So it does seem like a huge task, like you were saying, to try to make it happen in a week. But, there, you know, if, if you just start to break it down piece by piece, figuring out the units you want to apply for, then you see, okay, I, I drew here, and then it's a game plan of figuring out that unit and and your your plan A, B, C, D, E, you know, however many you got, and then once you get there, you know, like you said about being just completely immersed in the hunt, I mean, you, you just gotta go for it. I mean, you just gotta. I mean, you and I always joke around and we always say, oh, we're, you know, we're, man, you know, we're just gonna send it. I mean, but but you really do. You really have to just send it and go for it. Um, on these traveling hunts because most of the time you do have limited time and you've just got to put in as much effort, you know, as you can on a limited amount of time here in Ohio. Well, two years ago when you came out, you got to hunt the big buck I was chasing and, and you were, you know, you were right there, uh, close in tight to him a couple times. And I ended up killing 
on that buck later on in the year. And I had 97 days of bow hunting in my home state until I actually got to draw my bow back, fire an arrow and get that buck killed. Literally the first night I drew my bow back, the first arrow shot and all that happened on the 97th day of hunting for me. And it was just one of them deals where it was just the mentality of I got to keep grinding and I got to keep figuring it out until I finally get my opportunity. And once I do, I'm going to get this buck killed. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of the same thing on, on these Western hunts. I mean, I might have a week. I might have two weeks. might have three weeks, whatever it is. But it's just you just have to continue to mentally think, OK, the next stock, it's going to happen or the next play, it's going to happen. And, and you've just got to have that mindset of you know, you, you, you can't look back, but it's, it's just so much fun to be able to have that adventure constantly during those hunts. And then that's, what's so fun for me. And, and I know that's, what's always been passionate for you about them. Um, I don't know anybody that loves adventure more than you. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's fun to share those hunts and just see how pumped we all get you know, whenever we're all together and, and we find a big buck or we find a big bull or, or, you know, whatever, it's, it's just, it's, it's fun, um, you know, to see that come out and, you know, you're, you're a super passionate guy. I mean, anyone that's listened to this podcast knows, you know, you get super pumped and jacked about, you know, the solo hunts and the adventure hunts and hunting with buddies. And it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's fun to be able to kind of share that same, you know, share that same kind of thing, uh, with, you know, like-minded guys, like with, you know, you and, and our buddy Dan. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a cool deal. It's, it really is whether it's solo or with a buddy. I mean, the traveling adventure bow hunting, it, it, it's just, it's, uh, it's a life changer. I mean, it really is. I, I think it makes a guy a better person, whether it's on the dad scheme of things or just a better guy in life, better bow hunter. I mean, it's, you know, stone or or you could say steel sharp sharpened steel stone sharpened stone whatever but the more hunting you do and 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 the more bow hunting that a guy can do in different elements and with different game animals and different techniques and different tactics i mean it just makes you sharper and better on all you know facets of bow hunting or hunting in general and i mean i i I really love that too. It's just it's fun to hunt different species and different climates and environments and you know, just the whole deal combined with the traveling bow hunting, it's, it's, uh, it really is kind of a captivating, you know, thing for some, for a guy, especially a guy like you and I that already is so in love with adventure. And then you add in the traveling to new places, you know, and, and traveling to different states and hunting different game animals. It's, I just, for me, it's, there's nothing that can beat that as far as, you know, in the, in the world of bow hunting. I mean, I just absolutely love traveling and seeing places that I've never seen before. And, and I, I know you feel the exact same way. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to sacrifice, you got to sacrifice some comfort. You gotta, you gotta, you know, sacrifice your time, money from work to be able to be there and get it done. You touched on like a lot of great things right there. So you were talking about traveling from Ohio and planning a hunt and where to start from. And so guys by now, have drawn their tags and know what hunts are going on, but maybe we can just circle yep. back and talk about it for a second. So, you know, you were talking like back in January, the start of the year, which we call tag season. 
Um, you know, you start researching what kind of time you're going to have, what kind of seasons. And I don't, I don't like to overlap hunts too much. And so, you know, if I, if I'm planning a hunt, you know, I know I've got to dedicate some days to it. If it's local in Montana, I can kind of weekend warrior it a little bit, but you need to come up with a game plan of, of hunts that you'd like to do. And you start putting them on your list and whether that's elk or mule deer or a mix of maybe an antelope hunt, something like that. And you start to kind of make a list and then you start to look through these states and then, you know, you want to apply and get some points in some states and and start to build like um, a a drawing strategy. Now, I'm fairly aggressive. I like to draw zero, one, two point units. Um, Very rarely will I gain any more points than that. But so so I'm looking for opportunities and places to hunt for me. You know, I. I love elk. I love high country mule deer. I love late season muley rut hunts. And so I'm trying to mix and match all of these. So let's just say like the early season stuff. We both looked at Colorado. You know, I was a zero point. You have a couple points built up. And so you knew you wanted to hunt mule deer. You knew you wanted to hunt mule deer early. So you start looking at units in Colorado and start breaking it down that way, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I had a couple points built up and it was time to kind of you know, I'm, I'm, I've kind of, I guess in a way adapted, um, you know, kind of the system that you always kind of put in play and, you know, the, the opportunity hunts and being kind of aggressive, um, I guess to break it down, I would rather hunt every year or every other year in a state than to wait maybe eight or 10 years on, you know, maybe that, that, you know, what they would call a premium tag or, or whatever you want to call it, that it takes eight or 10 years to draw that tag and then you're going to hunt it. And then you may not draw it again for another 12 or 15 years. And the way point creep and different things work nowadays, um, you know, you draw one of those premier units. I mean, you may not get back, you know, until you're, uh, you know, an older guy. If, if you're a guy like, you know, me in my thirties that draw it now, uh, you might wait 15 years to draw it again. So I would rather, you know, be sort of aggressive and, and have a tag in my hand in that state every year or every other year or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, this year I had a few points built up and I'm like, okay, you know, I had a few units picked out that I'm like, yep, with a couple points, I know I can draw. I'm going to be able to get in on one of these and going to throw all the chips in and, you know, this is going to be the year that, that it's, it's going to happen, you know, for me. And, um, you know, it, it's, I think the draw strategies, there's, there's different ways to look at them and, and whatnot. But for me, um, and I, I know you're the same way cause we talk about it all the time, but I just, you know, I, I like having tags every year and I like to be able to hunt States, you know, the same States every year and not have to wait so many years in between. And, you know, those opportunity hunts where it might be a zero point unit or uh, even maybe just a one point, um, you know, it's, I still think it's fun, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to go into those spots. Um, I feel like a lot of those spots are overlooked. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of like Colorado, for example, I think there's a lot of great spots in Colorado in that zero to two and three point deal for archery guys, early season velvet bucks that, People don't even look at because they're wanting to go to like, you know, say your your premier units like, you know, your, your for example, 55. Everybody knows about that. They want to hunt that. Well, heck, 
what's it take now to draw that unit, Brian? What, what is it up to for a, for a guy now, non-resident? 10, 12 points, something like that, isn't it? I mean, it's it's way up there now. Well, and it is it is getting tougher to draw tags. It's getting more popular. Yep. And rifle yep. tags are extremely tough to draw, and bow tags yep. are tough to draw. And like you say, 55, I was thinking like 7 or 8 points, but maybe you're right. It's like 10 or 11 with a bow now. And I got to hunt it's... 55. Back in the day, I drew that with 2 points in Colorado. Oh, you lucky. <laughs> so, like, lucky I got to, I got to go experience it back in the day, and... Um, I love that unit. It's a great unit. But like you say, there's a lot of good units out there. And a lot of times, these really good units that take a lot of points to draw, it's because it's easier hunting. It's because there's road access. It's because it's near a town. And so there's a lot of people that live in that town that want to hunt that unit. And some of them are just dang good hunting. When you limit the amount of hunters and the amount of harvest, you know, you can grow some big mature bucks in a lot of them. They're, they're, um, they're not as switched on as like a, a highly hunted unit, you know, so there's some good things to draw on tags, but I think you can mix and match and kind of build points in places. And then, you know, there is a risk involved. Like I drew a Colorado unit this year that has zero points. I mean, there is a chance that I'm going to be able to go down there. And, and even though all that good looking high country and all the research I've done, like I still haven't put eyes on a mule deer in that unit myself yet. Like I don't know, you know, you, you don't know the bad winners. You could go down there and not find them. Like you do take that risk. I have struck out on these hunts. But I'm getting kind of into the woods here. Like what I wanted to talk about is just like being able to pick a unit. So picking a species and then like what you did is you had some points built up. And so you started looking at all these units you could draw with those points. And and there's different different ways nowadays to – to, to look up that unit, a lot of the state agencies will give you a lot of information. There's a ton of maps with, with roadless overlays like Onyx. Um, you know, you can do so much research. I feel like I'm almost hunting the unit in, in January when I'm doing research. Like I'm looking at the mountain ranges in there and the access, and I'm trying to figure out where I'd hike and what looks good to me, you know. And, and I've got – quite a bit of experience doing it and so i know like what looks bucky to me but there still are no guarantees until you actually get down there and walk it i did um so this is funny i drew 55 the one year i'm talking about and so i drew 55 and so i started breaking down this unit and this was in my younger years and so you know i'd I'd been hunting high country mule deer i had a i had a handful under my belt and and uh but i was going there and i didn't know it as well as i know now and so I looked at 55, and I looked at the biggest wilderness in the unit, and it was this giant wilderness, uh, Fossil Creek Wilderness or something. I'll give the name because it was crappy hunting in there. But uh, So I, <laughs> I looked at the, the biggest wilderness in there, and it was this huge, giant wilderness, and it had peaks that went up to 13 and possibly 14. I can't remember exactly, and just big alpine basins. And so that was my plan going down there. I'd convinced myself that the biggest wildernesses held the biggest bucks, held the best hunting because that's how I'd killed them before. So I disappeared down in that wilderness. I couldn't scout Colorado, so I did an e-scouting. I think I got there a couple days early and kind of looked around, got a feel for the place. I did see some bucks in an area, and then I ended up backpacking back into this giant wilderness because I just knew there was big bucks in there. Um, Yeah, I spent like three days in there. I never saw a mule deer, dude. Not one. (laughs) 
Like, and, and I'm sure there was mule deer in there, maybe lower in the Aspens or something, but it's just not where they wanted to hang out. It wasn't like, uh, where the bachelor groups are. And maybe if I would have continued to travel around for a couple of days, I would have found, you know, a bachelor herd of bucks, but they just weren't in there. I wasn't seeing the tracks, wasn't seeing the deer, wasn't seeing the does or the fawns. It was kind of like a rock top mountain. I just got it, got it wrong on my e-scouting and had never seen it. And so then I had to reboot. I went up to where I'd seen a couple bucks scouting and kind of like, I, I didn't even really have a backup spot, but I had seen these bucks scouting glassing and it wasn't, I didn't see any huge shooters or anything, but where I saw those bucks, I just went and hiked in and I, I got way back in there. And then I found the Mecca. There was a bunch of bucks in there and it was really good hunting. And I ended up killing one, you know, late in the hunt or whatever, but it just never goes as planned either. Like you can do all the e-scouting in the world until you actually get down there and put eyes on it. And that's why scouting is so key. Like especially on these early season mule deer hunts, if you can get in that country and scout around, you can find where those big bucks like and then count on them come season being in those same locations. They'll tighten their program a little bit. You know, you won't see as many, you know, sometimes they can they but you know they're around and you know kind of where they like to live at. And so that's key in those scouting scouting trips if you can get there early or you know you you get there and sometimes you got to be able to adapt in real time on the hunt so um anyway so we looked at these you looked at every unit that was possible with your points you looked at how good they were muley hunting and so you started looking at the country you were looking at maps you look at the state game agencies you look at these places like like the Eastman's MRS, the, you know, and just start compiling this data. And then what I do is I keep a file on each state. And then even people I talk to that I run into, I'll write notes down and they'll go in that folder. And I just keep folders on units and states and, and where I've hunted. And I try to compile all that information. So I'm the same way. I was a zero point guy in Colorado this year. And I was like, well, place has got some big mountains. I, you know, I, I see in Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, it turns up some bucks. Like, I think it's decent hunting in there. Like, I think I'm going to go for it. And so I went all in on a unit that I had like 66% chance with zero points and drew that. And so I suspect you did the same thing with your unit, right? That you found just looking for good muley hunting where the big bucks come from. Yeah. I mean, you know, you brought up, um, the, the MRS and you know, it's, there's, <clears throat> there's so many, valuable stats that you can gain from like, you know, like, like the MRS that, that you guys have that's in the Eastman's hunting journal and the bow hunting journal. Um, you know, there's for a guy like me that lives in Ohio, um, I need to use every single aspect that I can, that's going to give me an advantage. So, you know, um, you know, like we talked about Onyx, um, you know, there's, there's a, there's so much you can gain from, being subscribed to, to Onyx and being able to e-scout, you know, from your computer or your, your tablet or your, you know, heck, I do it on my lunch breaks and my, my breaks during the day. I mean, I can't tell you how much scouting and how much research I do at work when I get an extra five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minute lunch. I mean, there's, there's so many days where I don't even eat lunch or forget to eat lunch because I'm researching and looking at this stuff. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so imperative to be able to use you know, these resources, um, you know, like I know like the MRS is really cool because it'll break down, you know, state by state for like mule deer, or elk, whatever species. And, and, and it'll give you a list of the units, um, how tough they are as far as access, um, 
they grade everything out as far as, you know, for a non-resident to draw with, with this amount of points and what the access is like and how much is wilderness. I mean, they, they just, they give you a plethora of information that you can digest and then you can compare units. So say you're a guy like me, uh, just throwing it out there in numbers, you know, I want to compare unit, uh, one, two, three, and four in Colorado because I've got all oh, those four are good points. units. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so, go ahead. <laughs> so I've got X amount of points and, and I'm looking at one, two, three, and four in Colorado and you can go like to the MRS and you can look at, okay, in these units for an early archery season hunt, um, you're going to be high country velvet bucks. Um, okay. Here's your odds. Here's your chances of drawing unit one, unit two, unit three, unit four. And then I start to narrow down, okay, which one of these do I have the best percentage? Um, the highest odds, which one of these has, you know, the, the best buck to doe or which one of these has the highest, you know, hunter success rate or, you know, the country, the country that's conducive to my hunting is a big deal too. Like I look for the country I like to hunt you too. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause you know, like for me, I'm, I mean, I'm, (laughs) I'm so in love with that high country. Um, not that I would never hunt uh, an earlier season hunt um, that's not super, you know, super high or, or what you'd call high country, but I just I love that Colorado end of August, early September. I mean, I just I love the scenery. I, I love the weather. I just I, I love everything about that hunt. So, being totally honest, I mean, when I when I think of Colorado mule deer, I'm thinking of that early season, the very earliest season I can get in in Colorado is that early archery, and that's that's what when I think when I hear the word Colorado, if someone at work is talking about skiing in Colorado, I I, I don't give a rat's crap about the skiing part. All I'm thinking of when I hear the word Colorado is velvet bucks and high country. So that's that's just what I'm drawn to, you know. Um, so yeah, so I'm looking for units that, that have that because that's what I like to hunt and that's what I've been drawn to. Um, and that's what really I'm passionate about in that state is that, that high country. I just, I, I just think it's such a challenge. So yeah, so that's what I'm looking at. Well, and but you dude, can just like it's, break it down. Yep. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 dude, you're fine. It just, once you find the, the units that possess what you want, as far as the the landscape or high country or you know whatever you want, then you can just use stuff like the MRS to break it down and figure out, okay, where should I place my eggs in the basket? You know, do I want to put them all in here or do I want to put a couple here and a couple there? And then you start thinking about what's your first choice, your second choice, your third, and you know now you're gaining your strategy to okay. One of these units I'm going to hit on one, two, three, you know, this is going to be my first choice, my second choice, my third, third choice, you know, et cetera. Um, but it's just, it's so awesome to have the technology to be able to break that stuff down and have the information right in front of you and not have to research it on your own unit by unit, state by state, you know, whereas, like I said, you've got the, you know, like the MRS where it does that for you. And it just makes it so much easier for a guy like me, you know, living in Ohio to break down a big state like Colorado and figure out, okay, where's my best odds? Where's my best chances? You know, what units possess the landscape and the terrain I want to hunt and what I like to hunt, et cetera, et cetera. 
But and and I know you do the exact same thing because I mean you know we talk about this all the time. I know you're looking for certain terrain features and certain elevations and and whatnot. So you know it's just it's it's such a it's such a huge key for a guy that's 30 hours away. But I mean it's big even for you. I mean like you said you're you know you're 15 hours away. I mean that's still a very invested trip with your truck 15 hours away to hunt a state. And you're, you're busy. you got the construction business. I mean, some years you don't have time to go to Colorado and scout before the hunt. So you've got to do the e-scouting, and you've, you, you've got to basically rely on the MRS to put you in a position to where you're going to be in a unit that's going to be conducive to what you like to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I mean, that's totally it. Is you, you just start to build an understanding of these states and the units and the game animals you want to chase, and you have to break down – you know, your your risk versus the cost of it, too. Like, uh, you know, I, you know, I don't like putting in for 15 years and drawing a tag, but for some guys, their strategy is to build points and draw a quality unit and then go there and have a quality experience. And I I get that, too. It's it's just building your strategy, you know, figuring out. And it, it's also looking at, at units that, that aren't listed, that you can't find, and looking at, at multiple different sources, compiling this information, so then you draw the tag, and then like you stated, you're on your lunch break, you're after work, you're looking at Onyx. Like, after I draw a tag, like I've drawn, you know, I have that Colorado tag we've been talking about, I, 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 I have the whole unit pretty much memorized in my head. I've looked at it so many times. I know how the peaks lay out. I know how the basins roll. I know where the access roads are. And you don't always know all the access roads. That's part of the deal is you don't always know which roads you can drive when you get there. Sometimes, you know, main roads, if they go through private, you can drive them. You know, spur roads and gravel roads, like out here in Montana, if they cross private, you can't drive across them, um, you know, unless they're an access road. And so there's all these these sketchy gray areas that now because you didn't have time to scout like if you were scouting this would have been what you figured out you'd get to the unit you'd spend a day driving around seeing different trailheads seeing different roads glassing from afar then you know i may take a day and i may hike into my a spot and go look for bucks and do an overnighter in there or whatever when i'm scouting and and if you don't have that scouting time, then you have to do it on the fly in the hunt or show up early and, and kind of look around, figure out which roads, which accesses you can access, you know, um, and, and then, like I say, having it memorized in your head. I have this whole unit memorized. Well, within that, I've got a couple different hunt plans that I start working on, and I start thinking, okay, well – I'm going to go up into this spot and I'm going to spend three days in here. Now that might change. I might get in there and not see anything and spend one day in there. I might get in there and find all the bucks and stretch my three days to food to five days. I may go back and refuel for my truck. Like all of that can be changed on the fly. But what I do have is I have a hunt plan and that hunt plan I have the unit memorized in my A spot where I think I'm going to see bucks. So this is a perfect example in Colorado. Like there's a lot of good spots within the unit I drew. Um, you know, but I'm I'm looking for a remote spot and and in this spot that I found, it it's ex- extremely remote and it's backcountry and it's going to take me some effort to get there. Like I'm going to have to put on my backpack, I'm going to have to put on days worth of food and I'm going to have to get back in there and search and really, you know, 
my option from there is to keep traveling because it keeps looking good. There's more basins to glass into. It keeps getting more and more remote. So my plan in Colorado, instead of doing like maybe three days here and three days there, five days here and five days there, my plan is to go all in on this spot because it has a lot of different options. It has what I'm looking for. So I'm going to go all in, you know, five, six days worth of food. But you got to kind of figure out your hunt plan and kind of know where it's at. And then, um, like you said, too, back up plans like i always state that like don't think i haven't looked at where i go if i don't find bucks in there and it doesn't work out and i do have to come out of there early like i've got a backup spot that's another ridge line over that i know i can grab three days worth of gear and get back into and just like that story i told you about like hunting 55 in colorado like the the bucks are where they want to be there is no guarantee where the bucks will be and where the bulls will be. Sure, if you found them there years prior, you know, they're creatures of habit. You'll probably find another group in there again. But, like, there are no guarantees. You know, the weather can be different. The food can burn off. They cannot be in there. They there So much can change from year to year, day to day, that you have to really go in and evaluate real time. But I, I love to really break down that unit and memorize it and kind of build myself a hunt plan for where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do. So that's what I'm doing when I'm spending all this time on the map works. Uh, you're doing the same thing, right, Clint? Figuring out your hunt plan and where you're going to be looking, where bucks will be hanging, you know, where you can glass from, uh, trying to just break down that whole unit, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, you know, and I mean, in today's world, you know, back 20, 30 years ago, I mean, the, there probably wasn't a ton of guys that were doing this style of hunting. So you didn't have to factor in maybe as much pressure or, or, you know, um, you know, just the amount of people in today's world. I mean, there's a ton of guys that are adventure bow hunting and you, you, as I'm planning out this, the unit that I drew, um, I've got A, B, C, D, E because I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is the premier spot that I think is going to be awesome. But if I run into a ton of people and the bucks just aren't there, here's plan B. If that doesn't pan out, here's pan. And, and you just, you know, for me with, it's not like I live out there and I can just hunt, you know, every single day. I mean, it's, it is limited time. I mean, even for a guy like me that I'm lucky and I do get a lot more time than the average guy due to my job. But it's still limited time. And it's like, you know, you want to make the most of each day. So, you know, my strategy has always been, okay, you know, try to find your your number one, two, and three spots and really zone in on, okay, this has the feed. It looks like it's got the cover. Maybe it's water. Maybe it's it's going to take effort like you were talking about. You know, um, the last time I was in Colorado, um, the spot I picked – you know, it was, uh, if I remember correctly, it was like 11.5, 11.7 off my, my, uh, my watch, my Garmin watch to get in there. I mean, it was a heck of a journey just to get in, but I knew if I went back in there, I'd get away from crowds and get away from people. It was a unit that a lot, I knew a lot of people hunted. I knew there was a, um, there was a, a fair amount of good bucks that come from it every year. So it wasn't like it was a big secret. And my strategy was, okay, I got to get away from, you know, that average four to five miles from the truck. I mean, I just felt like a lot of people were going to be within a few miles of the truck. Um, my strategy was to try to get double that, you know, get get way back in away. And 
I didn't kill a buck in there, but I got into a, a couple different bachelor groups that held some, some true giant bucks and I got opportunities to chase them around and I was into them. Um, and you know, they got in the cliffs on you, right? Yeah. That was the year that, yeah, I think at that exact time, if I remember correct, you and Dan were in Idaho. Um, we all antelope hunted together and, um, we, we split off and left. I left your house and, and headed to Colorado and you guys went to Idaho and, the 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 two main bucks I was chasing they they got up in the cliffs and stayed in those rocks and I mean I, being totally honest I mean I've just never hunted high country up in those rocks in those ribbon bands of rocks that are up there um, and at that point I had never really hunted that stuff so it was a true challenge for me to navigate I mean there were so many times that I thought yeah I can scurry up this avalanche shoot and and, and get up get up to them and cut them off. And I got to it and I'm like, Oh my God, I, I can't make this. I mean, this is way steeper, way more rugged. And it was, you know, but, but it was a good learning. You know, it was, it was, a, I can remember texting you during that hunt being like, Oh man, you know, it's, it, it's, I'm having a heck of a time with these rocks, you know? And, and, uh, it was just one of them things that I had to battle every day and I knew I had to battle it and I just kept going and it didn't pan out for me. I didn't end up filling that tag, um, that year, but, it was, it was still, it was a good lesson, you know, and my spots, they panned out. I mean, my A and B spots did exactly what I wanted them to do. Put me in position to glass and have an opportunity to find some really good velvet bucks. And that's exactly what they did. And what it took for me to get there was walking and hiking 11, you know, 11 and a half miles. I mean, it took a ton of effort to get back in there, get camp set up and then start hunting. And I mean, I was at, you know, 13, 14,000 feet pretty much that entire time. So, I mean, it was tough. It was a tough hunt, but that scouting prior and, and using Onyx, using the MRS, I mean, it, it led me to those spots because I had a game plan and I stuck to that game plan. And on that hunt, A and B panned out. But the first year I went to Colorado, oh my gosh, I bet you I was on plan like D until I actually got into deer and got away from people and, and, and just actually found the bucks. So, I mean, you know, I've been on both ends of the spectrum where it's taken me five or six days to even find deer. And then I've been on the other side where on day one or two, you're into bucks. Now it's just a matter of figuring them out. But like you said, you can't plan for that. I mean, you you can plan for ideas and have a game plan. But until you actually get there and start looking through the glass and start hiking, I mean, you really don't know what you're going to run into but that all comes back to the adventure and that's all part of the fun. And it's part of that big chess game that, that we're all playing. And, uh, you know, it, it, it makes it fun because, you know, you, you brought up changing on the fly and packing food for four days, but ending up having to stretch it to six or packing enough food for four, but getting in there and not finding anything and seeing a bunch of people on day one. And then you're like, you know what? Hey, we're, we're leaving here right now and going to the next spot. I mean, you just got to be able to adapt and, and, and kind of change your game plan on the fly and just go with what you're seeing and, and go with what's there. Uh, you know, to quote you, the bucks are going to be where the bucks want to be. I mean, that's that's the bottom line, whether it's it's antelope bucks or bulls or mule deer or whatever you're chasing. I mean, they're going to be where they want to be. It's a matter of you going and finding where that is. Uh, and that's kind of what it boils down to. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, you you study and you make the best of plans, and then 
you know, you get hit in the face and whether it's hunting pressure, like you mentioned, <laughs> like there's guys there and, and there's ways around it too. Just like you, like you had a good game plan, like you hiked 11 miles in or whatever, you know, you hike kind of through the pressure. You weren't seeing bucks yep. the whole way in there and then got back yep. in there. And then that's where the bucks were living. Like there's like, like part of the beauty of, of this, this hunting, you know, is like the, the problem solving aspect because no matter how many times you visualize it, no matter how many times you plan it out, it, it never happens the way you map it out. It's always different. There's there's always different hurdles that you didn't plan on. And I mean, you know, I've talked about lightning. We just talked about cliffs and steep country, rugged, remote, um, you know, hunting pressure. There's so many like, uh, you know, hunting in Montana, it can, it can be the mud or the you know, rattlesnakes or, I mean, there's so many different challenges that are thrown your way, but part of the beauty of it is the problem solving, the, the yep. figuring it out. Just like you said, like, like you had a quote when I hunted Ohio and I can't remember what it was, but you had an acronym that was like most recent information. Like you went on the oh, most uh, recent information yep. that you had. You didn't go yep, on MRI. old information. Yeah. Right. And yep, so, MRI. Like it's the same thing like hunting out west. It's you have to pay attention to where you're seeing elk or where you're seeing elk sign. You know where you you know sure you factor in where you've seen them in the past and where they've rolled through and how they like to roll through country. But it's factoring in all this stuff. Like when you're hunting high country muleys, when you're not finding them, like you you just gotta keep thinking, keep theorizing, keep in the hunts. What we've been talking about the whole podcast. But it it's like figure out the problem and solve it. And sometimes you know I find a big buck. And I'm trying to figure out then, you know, how do I stock this big buck? Like I had a, a, like I always talk about this giant buck that I was hunting that was on the lee wind side. And I've had quite a few animals over the years that I've hunted on the lee wind side. And no matter how big they are, they are so tough to kill because the wind just gets over there and swirls. Even if you have uphill thermals, the directionals are yep. blowing over the top, swirling around. And so you got to like problem solve and think outside the box. And I almost killed this buck. I had two failed stocks on them, hunting them for seven or eight days. I got a third stock on them. And this time it was way early and I I've never stocked buck like at the break of day but all of a sudden it's the break of day and this this whole hillside and the whole canyon that this buck is in is shaded so right now i have a downhill thermal until the sun warms up the valley below and the air rises up like i have an hour and a half or an hour and 20 minutes where i can stalk this buck with a downhill wind and it's like finally consistent because the directionals aren't blowing up and so it's like this thinking outside the box i almost killed the buck i got 40 yards and a two point up above me i didn't know was there picked me off and it didn't end up working it blew the whole scenario so three three failed stocks on that buck uh i didn't fill my tag that year in nevada hunted colorado next and and then harvested a nice buck in colorado but it's like the problem solving and being able to adapt to what you're seeing right then and there like you're not seeing any animals like why not you come up with a theory why not where are they feeding then or where are they out maybe they're maybe these bucks have scooted down this feed is burned up up high like let's walk down a mile down this ridge and let's go look at 
some of the secondary features. And me and Dan did that one year, and all of a sudden there was bucks everywhere down there. All the bucks we had scouted had just scooted down the hillside. And the minute we got off the main ridge and walked down a spur ridge and looked for them, and we had gone three, four days not finding the bucks that we wanted to find, all of a sudden walk down that spur ridge, and there they are. They're just down in avalanche chutes and steep country, but they're lower because the feed burned off high. Like to keep thinking and keep being in the game, that's what creates opportunities, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's it's funny that you bring up, um, you know, like okay, you you and Dan's you, you're talking about the hunt with you and Dan, and you guys had to go down into secondary features and 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 kind of find maybe, um, you know, lower down on the mountain where where they're living and where they're feeding. And you know, I know like one thing that I've learned um, from traveling from Ohio to, to out West is when I get to my unit and I start to find deer or elk or, you know, let's, let's just say for, for this story, it's, it's deer. I got a mule deer tag. When I start to find, even, even on my way in, let's say I've got it planned. I'm going to go 10, 12 miles in to get to my, my, you know, my spot a that I want to go to. If I'm walking in and I start seeing you know, game, I'm, I'm running into mule deer, whether it's does, little bucks, big bucks, whatever. I'm always paying attention to what, what are they feeding on or what elevation, because that can all be used later on down the road. You know, um, that's all stuff that like, for me, I'm, I'm really paying attention to is, you know, because once you do get back there, let's, let's, let's say, you've got a, another group of hunters that move in and they blow out your bucks that you were hunting at 13, five. And you had a, a whole bachelor group that was living at 13, five feeding at 13, five, and you've kept taps on and you've kept track of that group of hunters move in and they set up their camp right, right smack dab in the middle of where these bucks been living and completely blow everything out. Now you're scratching your head on, okay, now I got to go to my B and C. Well, you already know that the feed was good and you were seeing bucks around that elevation and they were in those basins and they were feeding on this or they were doing this. And it's like, you can, you can sort of kind of start to look at like, say your Onyx map, um, or, or your hard copy map, whatever you've got and start to try to think, okay, well, if I go two miles over here, there's another basin or two that's at that same elevation. Well, heck, if the, you know, if there were bucks feeding here in that elevation, that there should be feed at that. And, you know, you, you can, you're, you're problem solving on the fly by looking at what you're seeing, you know, here in Ohio. I mean, you, you brought it up. I always use that MRI, um, you know, most recent information. If you can kind of put that, jot that down or, or save it on your phone or, or however you want to do it. But if you can remember that and, and keep that, that could come in handy on day seven or eight, what you were seeing on day two or three, in case you do lose bucks or someone blows them out or something happens. And now you've got to go try to relocate or re relocate another bachelor group. Um, you know, you're, you're taking that most recent information and you're, you're putting it to good use. Now you're okay. Well, that basin over there, it's a thousand feet lower than where I was seeing these bucks the last day or two. So eh, I don't know if they'd be there or not. But if I go a mile this way, there's a there's a really, really good basin that looks like it's secluded that's at that exact same elevation. Well, let's go there first and check it out. And it's just like you said, you're you're constantly problem solving and you and, and you're building on what you've been seeing or or maybe it's what you've you've been not seeing. I mean, 
my second trip to Colorado, it was the complete opposite. I had to go off of, okay, I've been looking super high. I'm not finding deer there. I need to drop lower. And, and I actually had to drop down like what you were talking almost to secondary living to find bucks to hunt and just to get into deer. But I was going off of what I wasn't finding at these elevations. So I was canceling out spots that were kind of similar to that and wasn't wasting time going to them and dropped down due to what I wasn't seeing. And so it kind of played in the reverse effect was, you know, okay, I'm not seeing anything at this elevation. So I'm going to drop lower, got into better feed and wall off, found, found bucks and got into bucks to hunt. Took me a day or two to figure it out and to get down into those secondary living. But that's where they were, you know, and, 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 and there was some pressure in there. There was some guys hunting and there was a lot of hikers and I was in a unit that was kind of heavily traveled. So, you know, realistically being a little bit more of a veteran at the game now, I would probably have already assumed that that might be where bucks are. But being that that was my only second year out there, I really didn't know any better. And I thought, well, they'll still be high, but they weren't. And I had to go off of what I wasn't seeing and drop down. So I kind of had to play it in the reverse effect. And I'm sure you've had to do that before too, but it's just kind of, like you said, it's, it's all a problem solving puzzle when you go on these adventure hunts and you're leaving home and you're traveling out there. I mean, you, you just got to be able to think on the fly and keep an open mind and really dictate your hunt around what you're seeing or the reverse effect. Like I just talked about what you're not seeing to be able to dictate what your next move is. Yeah, man, that's exactly right. Yep. Being able to adapt, and um, that's the only th- that's the best thing to go on, like the information that you have at hand. You know what what you're seeing or what you're not seeing. That's um, such a huge part of the game, and and you you know you put that together with effort, and you keep trying, and you keep looking, and then you know just like you're saying, you you transpose information, you find bucks in this location, you find another area that looks like that location, and and a lot of times. You know, it's the small things too. Like you, you do have hunting pressure, but you know, sometimes you can outlast and outstay and, and guys go really hard for the first day or two and then the effort kind of wanes. And if you're willing to stay in there and willing to live in there, it's amazing the opportunities you can get, you know, three, four, five days into it. Like I remember a hunt in Montana and, um, I had scouted it really hard and it was high country in Montana, which is tough to find and, um, scouted it real hard. I knew some bucks were in there. And uh, I went to the trailhead, and this is just when mule deer hunting started getting popular. There's no kidding, like over 50 rigs at the trailhead. Like it was oh great. It was like a party <laughs> there. And it was the day before season. I thought, well, I I got a hunt plan, you know. I'm just I'm not gonna let it deter me. You know, part of it was is I didn't think they could make it up the north slope that I was going up because it took me three different tries to find a way up. So I got back in there. I got up there. I started hunting bucks. I hunted bucks for like five days. I saw some guys, you know, the first day or two around here or there, and then all the pressure waned. I was in there by myself, ended up killing a really nice buck and hiking out on day five, and I was the only truck in the parking lot. <laughs> like, isn't it funny how you just like outlast? Like that country is so brutal with the underbrush and the steep rocks and the bucks are hard to kill that – Guys go hard for a day or two, and man, if you're willing to stay in there, you can create opportunities, you know. Um, 
sometimes guys spook bucks and they end up going to you know their their secondary living spot or dropping down or doing whatever and they end up coming right back into the drainage they love like deer like to live in a small location they like to have a house and that house is a drainage or a basin and sure they have other spots that they go to but that's the spot they feel most comfortable they know where they like to bed in each patch of tree they know the different spots to feed they know how to escape they know how to get to the other drainages so they might get spooked out they might give it a couple days or whatever and all of a sudden you'll see that same buck coming back it doesn't always work out but uh sometimes you know so yeah just being able to think on the fly and think outside the box and uh be in the hunt and um man let the cards fall where they do and just enjoy the experience um man it's so fun yeah it's uh just uh weeks away from us dude it's gonna be um it's gonna be a good season oh yeah for sure and you know like you were touching on i mean just you know the the word that always comes to mind for me on these on when it, when i start traveling out west you know like this year well i i came out and hunted montana with you for spring bear we had a couple of days and then i'll be in colorado and then i'll be um uh, Idaho for elk and then, uh, Utah, I got, a, I, I drew a good tag, um, for muleys and then, uh, back to Idaho for the, the rut with, um, you know, uh, with you and Dan, that's going to be super fun. Um, and it's like, you know, the main kind of key word to all those hunts is going to be persistence. I mean, it, it's just going to be, you know, mentally staying in the game, but just staying persistent on what I'm doing and, and, and constantly thinking about what can I do to problem solve and find a solution and, and, and get a, get a tag filled. And, you know, it's, uh, it's super fun to have, you know, hunts lined out and cause you know, you're, you're excited and it's, it's, it's getting close, you know, and it's just, it's, it's so fun to, to kind of, you know, just, it, it's, start thinking about, you know, all the different, you know, outcomes of what could happen or what may happen. And, and that's just what's fun about the adventure traveling side of, of bow hunting and doing, you know, what, you know, like you and I love to do. And, uh, you know, it's funny touching on the, uh, the beds, the beds and stuff. Um, it's so funny because there's so many people, especially with whitetails, uh, they think that, oh, you know, if you bust a a buck out of his bed that's it he's gone he's never coming back and i'm like but if you think about it that bed allowed that buck to survive and it did its job so why would that buck not come back just like you were talking not every time but you go you know and and i i've actually experienced this a couple times i've blown some stocks on day one or day two and i'm like ah oh, man you know that buck was in a perfect spot come day four guess what he's right back why is he right back? Because that spot did exactly what it was supposed to do. It allowed him to win me or see me or hear me. He, he come, he, you know, he was right back in that spot because it kept him alive. And it's like, you know, I think there's a lot of people that think if you blow a buck or you blow a bull out of his bed, oh no, he's gone forever. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's his bedroom. He know, like you were saying, he knows every tree, every bush. That spot kept him alive. Don't think he's not going to circle back to that. Now, it might be three days. It might be a day. Heck, it could be a week. I mean, I've hunted bucks in Ohio um, and Kentucky in different spots where they've busted me walking in trying to get tight to them. I was being too aggressive. And I'm like, shoot. You know, I've actually seen them get out of their bed and take off. 
And literally I've went right back in the next day, but tweaked my strategy and figured out a better route in and either seen or killed or had an encounter with that exact same buck within a hundred yards or even sometimes the daggone same bed just because it allowed him to stay alive. So it was, it was just, it was, it's cool that you brought that up because that's something that in the whitetail, whitetail world, I always stress to guys is don't think just because you blew him out, he's, he's gone forever. He's not going to come back because that spot allowed him to stay alive. And that's something that I've taken from, you know, the, the whitetail woods. And I've adapted that and brought that over to elk hunting and, and muley hunting and antelope hunting and, and whatnot out West. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, like you were touching on, you know, just having the mindset and being persistent and man, season is getting close. I mean, oh gosh, you know, I've been, uh, just shooting and, and, and training and, and, you know, I, I do all my workouts late. Um, actually it's, it's nine 39 right now here in Ohio. So as soon as I'm done with you here on the podcast, I'm going to take off and head to the gym and everyone's always like, Oh man, you know, why, why would you want to go so late? But my body's tired. Mentally I'm tired. I go in, I grind it out. I get a workout. Then I go throw last night. I threw 80 pounds in the pack took off on a three mile walk and people's like, Oh my God, you know, that's just insane. What, what, you know, do it earlier in the day, but I'm just conditioning myself and my body and, and that mental mindset of the grind of doing this every night. It's something I know I got to do. I got to struggle through it. Cause that's what some of these hunts are like. You, you just got to struggle and push yourself through it. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, you can quote me right now on this podcast. I am bound and determined. I will not leave Colorado without a muley this year, Brian. It's going to happen. I don't care what I got to do and all this training and, and beating myself up at 10 o'clock at night in the gym with a heavy pack on walking around town up and down hills at, at 12 o'clock at night. It's going to pay off my man. I'm, I'm going to be behind one of the, one of the big old, uh, floppy eared velvets this year, buddy. It's going to happen. Yeah, man. No, I I believe it. Yeah, no, you're putting in the work, and um, that's that's the key. It feels like a, you know, it, it feels like you're getting ready for a championship fight, and that's that muley tag down yeah. there. And it, you know, it's it's nice because like um, you know, it has gotten more popular, but it is like an adventure that 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 any blue collar guy can can save up for, budget for, and afford. Like these trips aren't that expensive, and and it is. It does feel like a like you're getting ready for a championship fight, and you're putting in all the training, and whether that's pack work, weighted work, gym work, you know, just breaking a sweat, and then shooting yep. that bow, shooting, and uh, yeah, doing all the research that we talked about, looking into the unit and hunt plan, and uh, it it all comes down. You're all training for this this moment, or you know, you're training for this this week or these couple weeks that we have off that we get to go chase these things around. So. Um, man, there, there isn't a doubt in my mind, man, you're going to, you're going to get her done. You've been putting in the work and, um, developing your skill set and, uh, yeah, look out a uh, big four point buck in Colorado. So, man, I sure appreciate the conversation. I always do Clint. Um, man, thanks for being on. Where can guys find you? Yeah, no, uh, Instagram, uh, Casper Clint, Facebook, uh, Clint Casper. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just can't, uh, can't thank you enough. Always fun to get on and, and talk bow hunting and just, you know, just talk life with, uh, with a good buddy and, and whatnot. And it's, it's fun to, uh, you know, we're always bouncing ideas off one another and it, it's, it's fun to, you know, actually get on a podcast and record it. Cause you know, 
our daily conversations, whenever we do talk once a week or whatever it is, it's, it's basically this exact same stuff. So it's cool to be able to push the record button and, and actually record this stuff, you know, cause it, it's, it's just typical stuff that you and I are talking about all the time or whether it's, you know, you and Dan or me and you or me and Dan, you know, we're, we're all just so like-minded and it's just, it's fun to be able to jump on and record it and put it out there for everybody else. But, uh, yeah, no, can't uh, can't thank you enough, and uh, everybody over at Eastman's for allowing me to come on and uh, uh, shoot the bull with you for a little while and uh, talk uh, talk bow hunting with a good buddy. You just uh, you, you can't beat it. I know. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the tags you're going to punch this fall, and I, I know me, you, and Dan's all going to have a good a good year this year, and it's it's going to be fun to get to share a couple hunts. I'm looking forward to hooking up with you guys on a few hunts, and uh, definitely looking forward to those solo ones and. Yeah, look out, uh, big Colorado uh, 4x4 or 4x5 or, hey, 5x7, what, what, whatever it may be. I mean, just look out, big Colorado buck, because uh, I'm coming in hot and heavy, full head of steam. There's no doubt. I'm not leaving without one this year, my man. Yeah, right. Uh, yep, living the bow hunting lifestyle, so right on, man. Well, yeah, um, good hunting this season, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Sounds good, my man. All right. All right, uh, fun conversation with my buddy Clint. Um, he gets fired up. I I really enjoy his enthusiasm. He reminds me a lot of myself how pumped up he gets, and um and, and also his willingness to put in the hard work to become better. Um, so I always like talking to the guy. I always like hanging out with him, and uh, I'm sure he's gonna find it, the success he's after this season in uh, the Colorado High Country with that tag he has. So um, I know he's working his butt off, anyways. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. So uh, I want to thank Yeti, uh, just a game changer for in the field. Uh, those high-quality coolers just keep the ice longer. Also, make sure to check out their other products, their their Ramblers, their Tumblers, uh, that soft-sided cooler bag that I'm taking with me to Hawaii. I'll also live out of that thing while I'm in Hawaii, too, with uh, food and things. And then when I kill a deer, uh, I'll freeze it in my buddy's freezer and then put it in that cooler bag. It'll be my carry-on coming home, uh, so we'll bring home some, some good access. I call them my uh, meat purses. I don't know if that's – I don't know if Yeti would sign off on that, but um, they are my meat purse for these traveling hunts. I brought back a bunch of meat from New Zealand, plan to bring some back from Hawaii. Um, they just make great products. Uh, also, also make sure to check out Swagger Bipods. Uh, make the the best bipods and um, best shooting sticks out there. Uh, shooting a, a rifle accurately is all about your rest. Uh, so make sure to give them a look if you're in the market for either one of those items. With that, I'm just pumped. You guys can hear it in my voice. I'm just getting out these podcasts, I uh, getting out my articles, making sure my stuff at work's taken care of, um, and I'm out of here. I'm bow hunting for a little bit. Absolutely can't wait. Uh, that uh, Hawaii is a game-rich environment, so uh, I know I'm going to get some stocks, probably get some shots, and I just can't wait to try to kill a mouflon. I, I got hooked on hunting these mouflon. They live in like this this gnarly, steep desert terrain of Hawaii, and then they're just like this little tiny ram that weighs like 60 to 80 pounds, and um, they've got this curl that comes in on, on them. Um, they're originally from Corsica is where they come from, um, but what a wiry little animal, and it's just so fun to me. I've never had the opportunity to hunt sheep, and um, you, know, you know, I don't know this doesn't I, maybe it doesn't quite compare with like a doll sheep or stone sheep or desert or a bighorn or something of that nature but we just don't get that many opportunities to hunt sheep and so yeah these things were introduced but they've been living wildly on these islands for for years and they they they've evolved to this habitat and they're so good in it 
um, the, these mouflon are so switched on, their eyesight is so good, and they're such a beautiful animal, just painted with white on their face and throat patch and, and big curls. So I'm absolutely hooked on these little sheep, and I can't wait to get another opportunity to go chase these things around that that steep country. So I'm really hoping I can I can pull something off or one of my buddies ends up arrowing a good ram. Uh, so I just can't wait. Going to cut it loose. Got a bunch of days um, staying with some really good friends. Going to try to record some good podcasts. And um, it's going to be an absolute riot. Uh, it's the start of my hunting season. So I'm super jacked. Um, got all my stuff packed up. Get my work done. And I'm out of here. Uh, just want to thank you guys. We're building such a great community. Um, I just want to thank you guys for all the support, uh, the podcast, um, subscribing to the podcast really helps the ratings really help. So I really appreciate that and, uh, really appreciate the support on IG. Um, gosh, I gotta just work hard and continue to put out good content. It's such a, such a great place where you can put out free content and connect with the people that really love backcountry bow hunting. Um, I just have this struggle with it of not spending all my time looking at a screen. I'm just trying to live my life and get my runs in and spend time with my kids and my family. And not that there isn't some benefits to it. And, um, you know, I, I love the community on there. I love looking at other people's pictures, but I can just waste time on there. And I don't want to waste time. I, I want to make a post, share with people. I want to get on, support other people's posts, you know, take a half an hour pan through it or whatever every day. But, um, I just really got to watch my screen time. Those phones are so addictive and I don't want to waste my life looking at a TV or looking at a screen. And, um, so just trying to keep myself busy. So I have this balance that I'm always trying to play with social media and not spending too much time. And sometimes that ends up with me putting out no content for a week or so. Um, but I just got to get more consistent with it and be disciplined. Like that's the key with anything in life is just be disciplined with that phone and with that screen, continue to get things done and accomplish things and enjoy my life. And then also be able to share some things and, and also be able to see what you guys are up to and support you guys in all your ventures and hunts that you guys are on. So that's the goal. That's the, what I'm trying to do. Uh, I don't always accomplish it, but, uh, uh, I need to be good at doing that. I really love sharing things in real time on Instagram. So, uh, you know, whether I'm running or training right now, or I'm on a hunt, like I love to share that in real time. And I, uh, I love doing those stories too. You guys have been great at supporting those stories. So I've got to do more of those IG stories. Like sometimes I film some and I don't put them out, but it's all good content. I just got to put it out there. So I'm going to try to collect some, some more IG stories this year during hunting season. So I'll go ahead and try to do that. Um, I'll go ahead and try to do that. Uh, sorry, I got distracted. My daughter came in. So, but I'll try to do more of those IG stories. Uh, going to try to do them in Hawaii while I'm out there and um, also in some other hunts. Uh, it's just so fun to follow those things in real time. There's some guys that are really good at it. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to continue to work on it and be one of those guys. So um, thanks for all the support, guys. I appreciate it. Keep working hard toward your, towards your goals. And um, I'll be in Hawaii as this comes out, uh, so I'll be having some fun, and uh, yeah, I'll check in with you guys next week.